that's the way we should praise the Lord. With everything we've got. We don't deserve to even be able to do that, Lord. But only because of what you've done for us. You called us out of that grave. Just like you called your son out of that grave. Thank you so much. Thank you that we have life in you. Undeserved life, but your life. Now as we look at your word stories. Let's just apply it to our lives just like we take the music and apply it to our lives too. In Jesus' name. Whoo, Derek, team, good job. Wow. Must be those new drums. I'll tell you what. Oh my goodness. A little hard time getting going now. So we've been doing 40 days of we've called, what we've called 40 days of focus. Some of you might call it Lent. But we know this, that what we've tried to do in using this Easter code book is to help us do some things that are important to focus on what Jesus Christ has done for us. So this 40 days of focus has been a time to pray, to grow in our prayer life, to spend some extra time in our prayer life. It's a time for fasting, sacrifice, something to, to give up something, not just to give it up, but to give it up to understand the sacrifice that Christ made for us on the cross. Well, we can never get close to that. We know that. I mean, for me, giving up soda pop for 40 days, I mean, that's nothing compared to what Jesus did. But you know what? It's a discipline. It's a way to say every time that I'd want one to be able to say, thank you, Lord, for what you've done for me. And it's a time for giving. Maybe even today as you leave today, you'd give a little extra today say, Lord, thank you so much for all you've done for me. But it's a day for celebrating! <laughs> the whole thing that Jesus has done for us, we need to celebrate and thank him for all that he's done for us. We are so, so grateful. So this morning, one of my little blogs I get, Cybersalt, great little humorous um, site, the top 10 reasons to celebrate Easter. So with a little bit of levity now right now, okay? All right. Don't get offended by any of these. All right. Because it, it, it will get to a good conclusion. 10. You absolutely love the movie The Ten Commandments. 9. You look really, really good in yellow. 8. You went on a low-cholesterol diet and didn't want to waste all those eggs in the fridge. Seven, you figure any holiday that starts with Good Friday can't be all bad. <laughs> Six, you love to bite the heads off chocolate bunnies. Five, it's a good time to check out your neighborhood church and not be noticed. Four, you have this bunny suit you love to wear but too insecure to wear it without a reason. Three, even though you don't know what it is, you really like the sound of going to a passion play. Two, you figure since Jesus went to all that trouble to make it the first Easter, you'd give it a shot. And one, as a Christian, you celebrate the resurrection every day, every other day. Why not Easter too? <laughs> right? He is risen. He is risen indeed. We need to celebrate his resurrection and his death and burial and resurrection every day. 
So might just do it today too, just because that's what we do throughout our lifetime to celebrate Him. So today as we go through the last part of the Easter Code book, and if you've had that opportunity to read through it, I'm going to give you what you would have read this past week. I just want you to come up with one thing. Out of all the things that are going to be shared, just one thing that God's speaking to you about. And that's why you have that connection card. You've got it filled out, ready to go to put in there, because this is what I want to do this week. I want to pray for you. And whatever that one thing is, you, you don't have to put your name on it. I'd love for you to do that, but you don't have to. But I'm going to pray for those. And I'll be going to Amarillo this week, Monday, coming back Tuesday night. My father-in-law, sister passed away a couple weeks ago. We're going down for memorial service on Tuesday. She had spent, today she's spending her first Easter in heaven with her risen Savior and Lord. Difficult for us, but really good for Aunt Danny. Really good for her. <laughs> so, I have, you know, about four hours, five hours to drive, going there and back. I just pray for you while I'm driving down there. You put that, that one thing, and I'd love to pray for you as we go down there. All right, so you got that connection card. It's going to be really important. So I would love to pray for you. On Monday, as we went through the Easter code book, talks about the code word is money. Money. Seems like somebody sang about that many years ago, right? He says, there's a strange beginning to the Holy Week, to the Passion Week. Remember, the triumphal entry takes place on Sunday, and really it was a very painful time for Jesus. Oh yeah, they were out there celebrating, but they didn't get it. And as he finished that, he went to the Mount of Olives and he cried and he wept over the city because he knew they didn't understand who he was. And on Monday, the same thing happens. As he looks and he goes into the temple, what's taking place in the temple as we're getting ready for the Passover? Here are the religious leaders. They're scarfing the people, man. They're saying, you know, you, this is the price. It's the only price you can get, and it's way above what it should to be. And they had to buy those sacrificial lambs and those sacrificial animals. They were ripping them off. They were robbing them. And what does he do? He, which he can do, because he really can't have righteous anger. We can't. But he can. And he overturns those tables and he tells them this. You've taken my house of prayer. Old Testament concept. You've taken the house of prayer, what this should be, and you've made it what? A, dean, a den of thieves or robbers. All these people are coming to, to, to do the right thing. And you're ripping them off. Exorbitant prices for these animals. Taking advantage of them. He says, that's wrong. That's greed. I care for these people. Many of these people are poor. They brought everything they can to be able to buy this, and they come here and they find out they're going to be charged twice as much or three times as much or whatever price that they put on it. Jesus knew about being poor. Think about this. He was born in impoverished circumstances. He was born in a stable, in a cave, in a barn, with a manger as his crib, as his bed. And his parents, in buying those sacrifices, had to buy the birds, the, the small sacrifice, the poor sacrifice for the poor people. And then he lives his life, he says, at one point, he says, you know, foxes and birds have their nests, but the Son of Man has no bed to lay his head on. 
He knew what it was like to be poor. He lived all that way through his life when his ministry taking place. And then when he's died, where's he buried? He's buried in somebody else's tomb. He knew what it was like to be poor. So he could identify with the poor and the needs that are before them. Even as it says in, in um, Psalm 109.31, for he stands, speaking of God, he stands at the right hand of the poor. In other words, he, he understands where, who they are, what they've been through, and what all that they're tra- travailing in their life. He understood that. And God understands that for you and me. He understands the sense of the poor. And as we grow and as we walk with Jesus Christ, we need to learn to, to stand for justice and take a stand for the wounded, the ignored, and the exploited who are all around us. I remind you that Jesus loves the little children. And I'm going to make a comment, commentary in just this moment. We need to pray for our Colorado legislatures who don't care for the little children. And they say it's all right to slaughter them. I feel for them that, that they would be so blinded, so heavy-hearted, so hard-hearted that they would say the little kids don't matter. Yes, they matter. They're God's kids that He created. And God cares for the poor, for the downtrodden. He cares for those little children. Micah 6.8, one of those favorite verses of mine, is something like this. He has shown thee, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. Beautiful way to be able to remember the word of God and sing it. Make it a part of your lives. He's shown thee, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of thee? To do what? To do justly and to what? And to what? And to walk humbly with your Jesus stood for that in the temple on the Monday of Holy Week and Passion Week. On Tuesday, as the author goes through the book, he says it's just hard to imagine all the pain and the grief and the suffering that Jesus did for us. All that went on before he died, that slow and agonizing, suffocating death on the cross for us. Hebrews 12 puts it this way. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. And it goes on to say, now is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It's finished. But look at what it cost him. But he did it for the joy for you and me. To be able to make possible this relationship with the Father. But the great pain that he went through, yes, there was the physical pain, but more than that, the spiritual pain of what he went through when he bore your sins and my sins, all the sins of the world on himself, so that we might, through the shedding of blood, as Jeff said, have remission of sins, so that we could have forgiveness of sin. That pain. I've told you this before. You think about this, if you just sin three times a day, over the course of the year, that'd be 1,100 sins. Man, three times a day is a pretty good day for me. 
don't know about you. But add those up. For a man like me at 66 years of age, 1,100 sins, that's over 70,000 sins. And Jesus bore every one of those in his body on the tree for me and for you. Think about how vile our sins are. Man, we have some little white ones, of course, but they're all sin. But some of them are just really, they're bad. that he went through and his father turned his face from him. God, oh God, why have you forsaken me? This, this verse was in the book and I've ne- never really recognized this verse before. I've read it many times. But Isaiah 56, speaking of a prophetic thing as Jeff was speaking to us about. I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out my beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spare. Father, it's any other way. If there's any other way, Father, let it be, but let me do your will, not mine. He knew what it was going to cost him. Even physically, he knew that. But spiritually, he knew it was even a greater, greater cost. And in this day, when we talk about the day Tuesday, he says, you know what? We need to go and stand in front of the cross. We need to stand there. We need to reflect because it requires some serious, serious reflection of what he's done for us. Take some time today to stand before the cross or kneel at the foot of the cross. And recognize what it really cost him to die for your sin and my sin. The pain that was there. On Wednesday, the author goes and he talks about John chapter 12 and this story of Mary of Bethany. As she comes, Jesus is with a number of people. And she comes and she has this, this vial, this, this jar of, of perfume, of, of anointing oil. And she breaks that open at at great cost because it's worth a lot. It's an extravagant gift. And she breaks it open and she anoints the feet of Jesus. And of course, you know, there's the naysayers that are there. Hey, you know, we could have sold this for a great price and we could have given this money to the poor. Yeah, they probably wouldn't have done that. But a great cost to her. For Jesus is so important, so valuable, so to be honored. But she takes this extravagant gift and she gives it to Jesus and anoints his feet. I don't know how to compare it to, but it might be like you taking your car and giving it away to some missionary or to somebody who needed that car. It's really valuable. It's worth a lot. Yeah, it could be sold for a lot and given away, but, but this is what you do because you want to honor Jesus and be a part of her life, be a part of his life. This extravagant, extravagant gift that she gives. Oh, yeah, and if you were to do that, some people would say, you know, well, that was kind of ridiculous. I don't know why you'd do something like that. You'd say, because he's worth it. He is worth it. 
You know, her, her gift was a blessing to all those people in the room that night. Well, except for maybe those few naysayers. The smell, the fragrance, the beauty of that permeated that house. Probably permeated into some of the hearts of the people that were, that were hard and wondered who Jesus is. And she's saying to him, you are my Savior. You are my Lord. You are the promised one. You are the Messiah. You are the anointed one. The one that has come for us. 2 Corinthians 2.15, as Paul writes, speaking and taking this theme of fragrance, he says, For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. There should be something about our lives that, that smells good about Jesus. So I ask you this morning, how are you smelling? How are you smelling? How you smell? You smell like Jesus? You smell like maybe yourself right now. Like Zach Williams' song, a little more like Jesus, a little less like me. Don't we all understand that? Yeah. I need to smell much more like you, Jesus. You know, the only way I'm going to be able to do that is I got to spend time with you. I got to get your fragrance as part of my life. I'm not spending time with you. How am I going to smell like you? Because you always smell good. What do people see when they see you, when they see me? Do they, do they, do they see us as Jesus? Do they, they see, the, they hear and smell the fragrance of Jesus? Oh, what good feeling. You see, a, a life fully devoted to Christ will have the sweet fragrance of Christ. And he gives this prayer. He says, Lord, let my conversation and conduct be such that when I walk away from others today, the sweet fragrance of your presence will be filled me. The sweet smell of Christ. They would have seen Christ in us. Salt, as I gave you this before, see as Christ sees, act as Christ acts, live as Christ lives, love as Christ loves, and talk as if we do that, if we're salt, we'll smell good too. On Thursday, key word is relationships. Thursday was a really busy day. If you go back and read through the scriptures, a really busy day. They had to get ready for the Passover so that they're gathering things together. They've got the room and, and everything is coming together for the Passover feast and being together with one another for the Seder meal and the dinner. They gathered together that night in that upper room. In the midst of all that, here they are, doing, going to do, you know, like going to church, going to have a kind of a, like a picture of a church service together. And, and then when they get together, you know, they're, they're encouraging one another, helping one another. And pretty soon, you know what they do? They start acting like themselves. <laughs> they start arguing about who's going to be greatest in the kingdom. <laughs> Isn't that just kind of like us humans? They start arguing about who's going to be greatest in the kingdom. Well, you know, you've done this, and I've done this, and I don't know, I think so, and my mom's going to stand up for me, and I'm going to do that, right? It's true, she did, you know. James and John, mom, could have a, could have a seat of position, you know, in the kingdom someday. In the midst of Jesus, 
They don't know all that's going to take place, of course. But in the midst of Jesus, while they gather for the Passover, to remember what God has done for the Israelite people, delivering them out of Egypt through the Red Sea, they start arguing about who's the greatest. And Jesus, with his compassion and his mercy and his grace, doesn't call him down then. He just gets down on his knee and dons the towels, he says. And he starts washing their feet. The greatest among them, the greatest among them becomes the servant of all and washes their feet. God, I don't know about you, but I probably would have had a few words with him. Shut up! Stop it! Don't you get it? Not about being great. Because the greatest among you is the servant of all. As they wash those feet, Peter says, No, 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 Lord. No, you can't wash my feet. Jesus says, hey, Man, you know, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have a part of me. I think probably at that point, Peter goes, Okay. <laughs> okay. I get it. I get it. He washes their feet. But as the author says in the book, the only feet that didn't get washed that night were Jesus's feet. The one who really should have had his feet washed as a servant of all. And the only one who didn't get washed, their feet washed. us from ourselves. Protect us from ourselves and our pride and our humility, our pride and our arrogance. That we would be more concerned about being the servant than being the one in charge or the one honored or the one exalted or, or the one who just gets noticed. Oh Lord, help me. Help my friend. And then he shares together as they share together in that Passover meal and that feast and the bread is shared and the, the, the wine is shared, the juice is shared. And Jesus said, You're, somebody's going to betray me. I'd kind of pull you down just a little bit after talking about who's the greatest, right? And they asked the question what? Three words. Is it I? Is Peter three times, of course. But all the rest of them fled from him. John was the only one that stayed by the cross. And they all moved away from him. That's a great question for us to ask. Lord, is it, is it I? Am I going to betray you? Am I going to say, no, I... I I don't know him. Well, we might not do it that way, but how other ways do we let go of our loyalty to him and say, I'm going to go my direction? Even to this saying before, Lord, 
I want to want what you want. Let your desires be mine. I want to want what you want, Lord. Let your desires be mine. And we say things like that. We sing the praises to Him, and then we walk away and we go, Ah, you know, Lord, I don't think so. I know you called me to do this. I know you told me this one thing this is supposed to do, but you know what? Tomorrow would be a great day to start that. And He's going, No, no, you need to start it now. You need to do it now. We say, I surrender all, and then we go pull back on that and go, Well, you know, I'll, I'll surrender a little bit. All for Jesus, all for Jesus. And then, you know, we go, Well, you know, um, no. How about many for Jesus or a little for Jesus we walk away from him we're human just like Peter was human just like all the disciples were human and yet Jesus still goes to the cross for him he tells him that he loves him he demonstrates his love for him desires be your desires. So that in a group of people we ask the question, is it I who can truthfully say, no, I'm not going to be the one to betray you. I'm going to do my best not to betray you. And if I do, Lord, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to confess it. I'm going to admit it. That I've walked away. Good Friday. Good Friday. The code word was sovereign. The word to think about all day, Lord, is the, through the day is the word sovereign. Jesus is beaten through the night, the illegal trials that take place. He's battered his head with the crown of thorns. His enemies begin to mock and to spit on him. And then they ultimately cry out what? Crucify him, crucify him. All the people that were saying, Hey, Jesus, we love you on Sunday. Now all of a sudden are going, Crucify him. Yeah, we don't think you are who you are. Let's get rid of you. Who do you think you are, Lord? Everything has turned. Everything has turned through this week. They cry out things like, Hail, King of the Jews, and great sarcasm. They ride on above the crossbeam. This is Jesus of Nazareth. This is the King of the Jews. And though they didn't understand that, no greater truth has ever been spoken. <laughs> Truly he is. Not as a political figure. Not as an emperor. No, but as the one who wants our hearts. He is a king, but it's for our hearts to be able to follow him and what he has for us. On the cross... While he's on the cross, they cry out to him, Hey, you can save others. <laughs> save yourself, big boy. Oh, that's not in Scripture, but you know that's kind of what they're communicating, right? That's what they're doing. And the thief says the same thing. One of the thieves says the same thing. Hey, if you're the Christ, if you're the dude, if you're the man, save yourself. Oh, yeah, and save us while you're doing that, okay? See, and the author says, 
Jesus could not save himself and save us at the same time. That is such a good statement. Jesus could not save himself and save us at the same time. The only way he could save us was what? For him to die. Exactly. That's the only way he could save us. Because he pulled himself off the cross. He wasn't Jesus. He wasn't Christ. He wasn't the Messiah. He wasn't fulfilling what he was supposed to do. And so what did he do? He stayed on the cross. And died in our place so that he could save us. Wow. Wow. What a Savior we have. And in the midst of all that, in the midst of all that, God, the Father, is in total control of what's taking place. Everything's going exactly like His plan. You're going, that's a really lousy plan. Yeah, but that's what it took to save us. It took that plan for Jesus to die for us so that He could save us. and could save you and He could save me. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Lord. It's a Friday. It's a Friday. But Sundays are coming and then there's Saturday. Jesus is dead. He's in the tomb. The Savior sealed in a sepulcher. Tried to make all those S's work really good. The disciples are disappointed, discouraged, even despondent. We staked our life to this guy three and a half years, and this is what we get? He's gone. He's dead. What did we do? I can't believe we did this. We got deceived. This isn't who he said he was. In this day of quiet, the, the, the Sabbath, a day for quiet, you can imagine how they hurt. And the author says this, even though it's Saturday, don't give up hope. You see, because it's Saturday, I know you never heard that before, have you? What well, you did today. <laughs> it's Saturday, but Sundays are coming. Just like Friday, but Sundays are coming then. Saturday, Sundays are coming too. Even in the midst of having no hope. And everything they do has just disappeared. Their dreams have disappeared. And our author encourages you, listen, some of your dreams have disappeared. But don't give up hope. Because Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. The Lord's still there. Oh, He's doing His work. <laughs> He's doing His work, but the Lord is still there. The Father's still there. The Spirit's still there. Jesus is doing His work, whatever He did on Saturday. A lot of, you know, a lot of discussion takes place about that. But the fact is, He was still doing His work. Don't give up hope wherever you're at, my friend. He's still there, and He's still working in your life. He uses this verse in Psalm 35. I memorized it many years ago. I was at Moody Bible Institute, but I love it. Weeping may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. He doesn't answer all our prayers the way we want him to. I understand that. 
But there will be weeping. There will be difficult times. But I'm reminding you that there's a Sunday, and it's a coming. And joy can come in the morning if you allow God to do that work in your life. Those that wait upon the Lord shall what? Shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles, right? They'll run and not faint. They'll walk and not get weary. Isaiah 40, 31. Keep waiting. Hope. See, here's what hope is. Hope in our world is wishy-washy. Hope what happens, right? But hope in biblical sense is it. The confident assurance that God will fulfill His promises. That's biblical hope. God will forgive. He will encompass and He will grab on and He will fulfill His promises. You know why? Because He did it back there. He's doing it right now and He's going to do it tomorrow too. That's what He's going to do. Don't give up hope. It's Saturday, but Sundays are coming. And you know what? Guess what? Sunday came. <laughs> Sunday came, right? It came. I read about it this morning. Four Gospels. It came. Just like he said, it was going to happen. The women arrive at the tomb, and what do they see? A lot, a lot, a lot of air. Jesus is not there. A little bit surprising to them. I'm sure they were coming to prepare his body with the anointing, the anointing oils, and everything like that. And I think I don't know. You know, this isn't. In, it's not scripture. I, I, you know, I can't imagine. But you know, they're going there and looking there, and and we know Jesus appears in a little bit to him. But I think Jesus is kind of in the background, going, going. I am risen. I am risen indeed. <laughs> Ta-da! I'm back. <laughs> he couldn't wait to reveal himself to him. I did what I said was going to happen. I know you didn't understand that. I told you I was going to be crucified. I was going to be beaten, flogged, everything else. I was going to be crucified. I'm going to die, and then I'm going to come back. They didn't understand all that. Now they're trying to get it through their hair, their, their thick minds. Oh, he's gone. Don't know what that means. And then he does appear and he starts revealing himself. Somebody sent me this little humorous thing this week. It's not in scripture, of course. It says this, Pontius Pilate and Joseph of Arimathea. You remember who Joseph is? He's the one that gave his tomb to have Jesus being buried. Pontius Pilate and Joseph of Arimathea were walking and talking. And Pilate says to Joseph, he says, I don't get it, man. I don't understand. Here you are, a wealthy man, and, and you paid a lot for that tomb so that you could have a really good tomb prepared for you and your family someday. I don't get why you would do that. Why would you give it to this Jesus of Nazareth? And Joseph says, Oh, he's only using it for the weekend. <laughs> were just there. I guarantee they didn't see Jesus in the tomb. It's not there. He's not there. He's risen. He's risen indeed. 
And he, I love what it says. He emphasizes the author. He goes, he goes, now he says to these ladies, he says, now, now go tell the disciples and Peter. Oh, man, I, when I read that, I, again, that's another one of those places. I know I've read it, but I didn't pick it up. I saw it today when I read it. Now my eyes are tuned to it. Why does he do that? Because he knows Peter needs specific care right now. Peter needs another chance. I mean, all the disciples fled, but Peter says three times, I don't know the man. I don't know the man. I don't know the man. And then the rooster crows. He goes out and he repents. He needs a second chance. And Easter's the message of the second chance for you and for me. God wants to do his work in our lives and help us and encourage us. And some of you need that right now. You need to recognize that God has a second chance. He's got a specific thing for you. You're really important to him. And no matter what you've done, you can be forgiven and you can walk with him again. And our kids that have turned from the Jesus, they're not walking. They're not walking the instruction we've given to them. And we all know that the people that we've worked with and loved and cared for have turned away from him. Easter is a message of the second chance. God can forgive. And God can restore you and bring you back to that relationship and that important, important relationship with Him in your life. He uses the code word baseball because He reminds us that, you know, if you bat 333 in baseball, you're doing really doing pretty good. That's one out of There's a chance you're going to be back up, and you got a chance to get that hit. And with Jesus, He's doing this work in your life. And wherever you're at today, He wants to give you a second chance. You say, Lord, I need you. I've moved away from you. You still love me. You still care for me. I want to move back. Lord, how you want to do your work in my life. Well, he finishes off in the book with an epilogue. And in that epilogue, he talks about John chapter 11, where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? It's the truth. But maybe you haven't come to that point of just believing it. In John's gospel, he uses the word believe more than a hundred times. I think he was making a point. <laughs> believe, 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 believe. For God so loved the world that he gave his one begotten son, that whosoever yeah, believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I write these things to you believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you may know that you have eternal life. John, 1 John chapter 5, verse 11. The same author wrote that. Believe, believe, believe. Today, if you've never believed in what Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross and in the empty tomb, today, would you say yes to him? I believe. I don't understand it all. The, the disciples hung around Jesus for three and a half years and they didn't understand it all. We 
got all this record. I read it today. You read it this morning probably too. We got all this record. And he just says, I want you to believe it. I want you to believe it. I want to make it, I want you to make it yours. To grab onto me and to say yes to me. Will you do that today if you haven't done it before? To submit to God that you're a sinner. We all are. And then believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He gave His life for you and He rose again on the third day. And then confess your faith in Him. Say yes to Him. Commit your life to Him. You can do it simply by just a prayer in your heart. God, today, I recognize your great love for me and that I've sinned against you. And I believe that you did this for me. And now I want to give you my life. Do that today if you've never done that. As I think about just believe, I think about this. Just keep believing. There is a second chance. But just keep believing. We all know, we all have friends that have departed from the faith. And my heart breaks for them. Oh, they, they had a point where they said, yeah, I believe. And now they said, well, I don't believe. I, I, I read your prayer requests. I read what you put down there. And many of you have friends, family members that have made a decision for Jesus. And now they're, they're, they, they, they stop believing. I can't tell you if this is true, real for them and this decision they made. I trust that it is. But now we want them to keep believing. Don't walk away from it. It's still true. What Jesus has done for us is still true. Keep believing, my friend. All the forces that are around us say, it's not really true. It doesn't matter. You can go this way. Disregard things in the Bible. Cut it out. Throw it away. Turn Take away page 432. Some of you can start looking for that now. I don't know. I'm just making it up. The fact is, it's still true what Jesus has done for us and what is worth doing. Keep believing, my friend. Next year, I want to see you back. Well, next Sunday would be good, too. <laughs> to say, I'm still believing. I'll take advantage of that second chance. He loves me so much, I'll give him my life back again. I've taken it into my own hands. Today, if that's where you're at, again, just go to him. And say, Lord, thanks for real. Thanks for welcoming me back. You've run toward me as we talked about the prodigal son a couple weeks ago. You're running toward me when I move you toward Jesus. I'm walking, but you're running. unearned, undeserved, but His grace is extended to us. Now, you've got that card, don't you? Somewhere near you? What's that one thing that God spoke to you about today? We've been through a lot, but just what's the one thing that, that you knew, this is what God is saying to me. Please, take moments, write it out, one, writing it out will help you to remember what you heard from God. But I do want to pray for you. And I will pray for you. Because I want God to do that work in your life. So you've got
got that card, and you go out today, just put it in the baskets as you go out. And then we'll praise. Lord, you are incredible. Thank you. Thank you for this true story, this true event that really happened. Jesus took on flesh and came as a baby. And he grew and he honored you and he never sinned. We have a really hard time with that in ourselves. But we know it had to be true because he couldn't be a sinner and die for us. He had to be the spotless lamb of God. He was. And he did. And he died and he was buried. And thank you, Lord, that he rose again. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his friends. And it's all because of your Thank you, Lord, so much. As we conclude and we sing about your amazing grace, let it fill this room. Let it fill Pueblo West because we are so thankful that you've allowed us to believe and to say yes to you. And we pray all this matchless, powerful, magnificent, 